I was in a coma for six weeks while the doctors told my wife I was going to die. When I woke up, she told me the most fantastic story. My team kept running the business without me. Freelancers reached out to my team and said, we will do whatever it takes as long as Craig's in the hospital. I consider that the greatest accomplishment in my career. My name is Craig Andrews, and this is the Leaders and Legacies podcast, where we talk to leaders creating an impact beyond themselves. At the end of today's interview, I'll tell you how you can be the next leader featured on this show. All right, today I want to welcome Paul Barron. He is the founder and chief executive of the Wall Printer USA. Paul is responsible for all executive functions, assuring the growth of the corporation and of the businesses that purchase a wall printer. Uh, he's His decades of ex, uh, business experience span B2B, B2C, retail, manufacturing, distribution, international business, and franchising. Paul has personally developed and launched business concepts and supported successful revenue growth, which leads to exits for several startups and established businesses. Paul thrives in rapid growth, high energy environment, and values a diverse culture with good people who like to dream big, work hard, and have fun. He leads with a positive attitude, humor, and humility. An articulate communicator with outstanding present, uh, public speaking and presentation skills, Paul is frequently asked to guest lecture at industry events. He is a mentor to business owners and student interns at the University of North Carolina, Wilmington, and at UNCW Center for Innovation and Entrepreneurship. Paul serves on advisory boards at UNCW's Business School of Entrepreneurship track and at nonprofit organizations and privately held businesses in Wilmington, Atlanta, and New York. Paul, welcome. Thank you for that introduction. I think that was more than a mouthful that the audience probably didn't need to digest, but I appreciate that. And uh, that Paul sounds like a great guy. All right, let's have a nice talk. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, what's really interesting is, um, you know, speaking at the universities, uh, you know, I'm a little bit curious about that because I know universities are real particular about, you know, having uh, certain credentials to get in. And so that's um, quite something that they've pulled you in. How did that all begin? Uh, that's a good question and, and an accurate observation of what typically goes on at universities. However, um, most universities do also rely on experience as well. And so uh, in Wilmington, we happen to have a really good business school at the university and an ecosystem that revolves around entrepreneurship. Um, it has a wonderful entrepreneurship program. It's actually a degreed program here. And there's this center of innovation and entrepreneurship that you mentioned in my bio, um, which is an, an adjunct to the university where people go to, uh, whether they're students, faculty or community businesses, uh, maybe they have a pain point, maybe they're just starting up, maybe they're an established business and they're looking to grow or see some opportunity that they're not sure quite how to tackle. Um, and so we have a, a bunch of people in the community uh, that have some level of experience that would benefit these people and don't mind giving back and sharing that. And so it's a mentoring program and uh, I participate in that. 
Um, it's uh, everybody wears the hats they wear best. Um, me, minor sales and marketing. Some people are legal. Some people are financial. Um, some people are real estate, um, accounting, whatever. And uh, and we try to come together to help other businesses and individuals at the university uh, because of the recognition that I've achieved there. Uh, in fact, this year we were very honored. Um, I was honored in my business. We were selected to be the 2023 Coastal Entrepreneur of the Year, which is kind of like the Stanley Cup of um, entrepreneurship here in Wilmington. If I wanted to make an analogy, uh, they give you a big surfboard as the as the prize, which you carry with you for a year uh, until you present till I present it to the next year's winner. Uh, but I was very honored to receive that, and as a result, they they call upon some of us every once in a while to guest lecture at different classes um, that are relevant to what we do. So the marketing track and the sales track, very often an entrepreneurship program uh, will ask me to come in and, you know, do a 45 minute or an hour of, you know, the life of Paul Barron or whatever, and kind of telling people what the journey is like and what its ups, its downs, its pitfalls, its obstacles, opportunities, and all of that. And that's basically after 50 years of doing this is what I can feel comfortable and confident that um, I can add some something to the conversation. Well, that's nice. Now, how did you go from your, your degree is in advanced mathematics and you go from advanced mathematics to sales and marketing? How'd you how'd that journey go? <laughs> it's a great question, Craig. And uh, uh, it wasn't certainly the path that my parents laid out for me. Uh, they wanted me to have a much more stable kind of environment. Uh, they wanted me to either go into the Navy when I graduated high school um, or go um, into some kind of a state, uh, you know, government kind of position. Uh, they worked for the same company their whole lives, 25, 35 years, whatever, until they retired. And they thought that that was a, a path of stability that was important. Um, I don't argue that point. Having gone through my journey, um, it takes a certain personality and a certain support system around you to do what I did. I've been very blessed with with that. Um, and uh, but at the same time, uh, I started out with a degree in math and I became a math teacher going the way my parents wanted me to go. And I was a high school math teacher right out of college. But I put myself through college uh, beyond the good graces of my parents and their financial support. Um, I supplemented my uh, spending money, if you will. Um, by stringing tennis rackets for the athletic department at the university. Um, it was an activity. I'm a tennis player um, and still competitive now at the age of 72. I can still play singles and doubles. Um, but uh, back then, when I was much better than I am now, um, I was very much involved in the tennis community and I strung tennis rackets as a way to make some money. And uh, and that was a skill that people liked. It was a very big tennis community in the university town where I was in upstate New York. And uh, when I graduated, I had a friend who was out of work and he was in the construction business. And he was a friend of mine who I play tennis with. And I said, well, you know, I've been stringing tennis rackets for three, four years at, at college. I said, there's money to be made in this. And our, our town, which was a small college town, did not have a sporting goods store. I said, why don't we open up a sporting goods store? We'll start with tennis. We'll see where it goes. You run the store. I've got my teaching job. And I can help out in the evening stringing tennis rackets and you take care of the customers in the store and all of the kind of stuff that might come with that. Maybe we end up selling sneakers and clothing and tennis rackets and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, why don't we just do that as a partnership? So we did that. And by my third year teaching, which was my tenure year, and I will pause here and say I love teaching. I love the students. 
I didn't like administration. I didn't like the parent-teacher conferences. I didn't like a lot of the rules and regulations. That's something that I always um, bucked heads with, if you will, um, during my childhood as well as my adulthood. Um, and so I didn't like a lot of the rules and regulations. I just liked teaching. Um, and in my third year, which was my tenure year, the school was very much aware that I had this outside business interest because it was taking some of my time. Um, I would call in sick frequently on most days of the week, um, not most days of the week, about one day every week, um, because uh, the stores uh, grew from one to two to three stores. And so uh, they said, Paul, I had to make a decision. Um, do I want to teach or do I want to be in business? Um, and they said, we love your teaching and the kids love you. And if you want to continue with teaching, we'll grant you tenure. Um, but you really do have to make a decision what career path you want to take. And so I made that decision and I quit teaching. And so I went into the business world with my tennis retail shops. I grew them, as I just mentioned, to about three stores. And then I was offered a job by a family related company, uh, not my family, but another family related manufacturing company, totally uh, something that uh, had nothing to do with anything I had any experience in. Um, it was a jewelry company. And my mother was the bookkeeper for that company for 25, 30 years. And so she said that they really wanted somebody, you know, with my skills to kind of come in, who could be independent and kind of take the bull by the horns, so to speak. And so uh, he made me an offer I couldn't refuse. And um, I sold my interest out to my partner uh, in my tennis shops. And I went to work for this company down in the town, which was down in the town where I grew up, which was a nice place to be, Long Beach, Long Island. I was happy to move back there. I was making then a very good salary. And the reason they hired me is because they wanted somebody to work two weeks out of a month in out on the field, going to customers, to, doing selling of their products that they manufactured in the jewelry trade. And then they wanted two weeks of somebody back in the factory who could oversee the delivery of the orders, um, the manufacturing of the materials that the customer wanted, somebody who had that kind of, uh, could take that responsibility. So I did that, I learned a lot, I traveled a lot, I learned new skills, most of which were in the sales and marketing area, got very confident in travel. Um, and th then that kind of was the springboard towards the sales and marketing hats that I really chose um, that I performed best with. And that kind of took me through a lot of the ventures that followed which were, as you described in my short bio, um, or not so short bio, were more many fold um, across many industries and many different types of products and services over the years. Wow, that's a fascinating path. You know, I I, I don't know anything about tennis, uh, but it was funny, I was talking to somebody one day from the UK and uh, he was talking about tennis. And I said, you know, I think my neighbor does something with tennis, I don't know what. He said, really, what's your neighbor's name? And so it's Craig O'Shaughnessy. And he said, oh, my entire business is based off his methodology. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny. I mean, the, the guy lives, uh, you know, 100 feet from my house, you know, talk to him all the time, but didn't realize that he's kind of an icon in tennis. Another chapter of It's a Small World. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's. I mean, that's really interesting. And I, you know, I think w one of the things that your story tells is life is rarely a, a straight path. You know, we, we, we set off in a direction and, and sometimes it takes, you know, it takes a few turns. 
Yeah, you know, life like absolutely, Craig, and life like business definitely is not a straight path. Anybody who thinks that their venture, whether they work for a company or they begin an entrepreneurship journey or they have an idea, whether it be software development or products or services, anybody who thinks that that's going to be the classic proverbial hockey stick from start to finish and just a, a nice trajectory could not be further from the truth. It's going to have its valleys. It's going to have its peaks. Um, and knowing how to pivot, when to pivot, or realizing that perhaps you've gone the wrong way, uh, you know, like the old Yogi Berra expression, when you get to a fork in the road, take it, um, that you might very well um, find a path that, that doesn't suit you, whether it be because of your skills, because of your finances, um, because of the partnerships, or the customers, or the employees you have. Uh, there are all sorts of road signs that are going to tell you that what you're doing is the best thing you should be doing um, in the best way. And being alert to those kinds of things and being open to those types of changes that are warranted and those pivots that you really have to make always. Um, you know, I think that's critical to anybody's path. Um, you just can't have that expectation that everything is gonna go gloriously from start to finish in the way that you plan. Everything I've done, and I've had over 20 businesses, and and or worked for companies in the because there, I always got to points where I didn't know what I didn't know. And I wanted to learn how I could do something better or different. And I take a job with a company that I thought could offer me those skills and that experience. And then eventually I would find out always that I didn't like some of the things that that company was doing or the opportunities it offered. And then I would move over to my own business and doing it the way I thought I should do it. And that wasn't necessarily right, wrong, successful or not successful. Um, I was in the restaurant business, uh, 12 years in New York, very successful restaurant. I'm proud to say this was a restaurant I founded in 1979. So now it's 44 years later, that restaurant is still open today. Uh, very rare in the restaurant business. Um, wonderful experience, I had a great partnership. I was in that for about 12 years. Uh, and then I moved to Florida to, because my parents retired and moved to Florida and I wanted to play tennis more. So I moved to Florida to follow them. And then I had to say, well, what does Paul want to do when he grows up now that he's in Florida? Uh, because my partner was really the food guy, the restaurant guy. He was running the show. Um, I was kind of a behind the scenes uh, person involved in that. Uh, but all the money I made in 12 years in New York when I sold out to my partner, I lost in one year in Florida, opening up a restaurant on my own and not doing the proper market research, not being involved with the right partners, um, all of which I thoroughly did correctly in New York, I did not do in Florida. And uh, that was what I call a learning experience. I don't look at those things as failures. I look at them as, as again, road signs telling you that there's something you should or should not be doing. And um, again, that was a great pivot point in my life. Um, I was actually driven into bankruptcy at the time, uh, but, you know, it's not how many times you fall down, it's how many you get up. And I actually went back to my math roots at that time uh, because a friend of mine had a problem that I was able to solve. I developed a little software application and that turned out to be a success and Paul was back again. Um, I sold that and exited that company and did very well with that and then became a communications consultant of sorts. And that carried through me through the next 25 years to where I am today from about 2000 to today. And so... So, you know, as we're wrapping up 2023 and looking into 2024, you know, it's um, it's a weird economy. I I would say it's probably the weirdest economy of my lifetime, uh, at least of, of my awareness. But you've I mean, you've been through a few ups and downs over the years and a few uh, challenges. 
what would you tell a business owner they should be doing right now as they're facing this economy? Well, whether it's the economy or whether it's the market you're looking to serve, I mean, first of all, you have to be a solution to a problem, first and foremost. You can't be a, a hammer looking around for a nail. There has to be a nail that needs hammering. Um, so, uh, you know, your point about the economy and challenging times is absolutely correct. Nobody really knows what's going on. You know, we had the pandemic. Um, I wasn't the smartest kid on the block, um, or at least that's what everybody told me when I invested in something that was uh, a product that nobody had ever seen or heard about before, this vertical printing machine that I built a business around now today, the wall printer, which is my current venture and, and my last venture. I will say that this is, if it continues to go the way that it's going and the way that I planned it, um, this will be my last hurrah, so to speak. Um, but, uh, you know, to your point, when I started this business, it was in 2019. Um, and here I was when I started the business in early 2020, when I developed and got my first um, shipment of machines to, to create businesses for people who wanted to print beautiful artwork on walls in residences and businesses and restaurants and schools and hospitals, which is what my machines do, uh, puts digital art onto walls, indoors or outdoors. But this was a business created with a new product that nobody had ever seen or heard about before. And here I was starting my business in January of 2020 when the world stopped and people were being laid off and people were being challenged to determine whether or not the path they were on was good for them. Did they want to, they're being laid off or working remotely. They had time to reevaluate their lives and search for new career paths and opportunities. And so while everybody else was laying off customers at the time, I was fully committed financially to this new business, despite the fact that nobody could travel and nobody could see what it was I was doing. It wasn't like having another hamburger place or coffee shop or being a plumber or an electrician. Nobody knew what this business of all printing was all about. And so we spent 10 months just articulating this through social media because we knew people were on their internet, um, on the internet, you know, on their devices, whether it be mobile, tablets, computers, um, surfing, trying to figure out what they want to do in their lives when they grow up, uh, whether they want to continue on their current path when things settle down after the pandemic, uh, which it still hasn't. Uh, but rethinking their lives, basically. So I took advantage of that. And I introduced people through social media, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, our own website, um, letting them know that there was this thing called a vertical printing machine that could create a good business opportunity for people who wanted to take ownership and, and do what these machines are capable of doing. And so fast forward three years, here we are with 135 businesses we've created for people. Uh, we're not a franchise. We don't reach into our customers' pockets for revenue. We just manufacture service and support and train the machines, but we create business opportunities for other people. And so uh, that's what we do. And uh, and yes, there are challenges. And what do people need to do it? Well, there are three basic things you need. You need time, talent, and treasure, I call it. You need the time to actually think about what it is you're doing and the time to actually make it happen. You need the talent, whether it's yours or other people you surround yourself with. And then you need enough financial um, bandwidth to be able to pull it off. Some things don't need much. Some things need a lot. But ultimately, some element of time, talent, and treasure is what anybody needs to create a business for themselves or for others and make it successful. So <clears throat> time, talent, or treasure, let's say somebody's listening and they're, they're, you know, two years ago, two, three years ago, it was easy to sell. 
you know, we had the, you know, the economy was going so strong, but somebody looking at this today may just, I mean, I know somebody just wrapped up his business uh, about a month ago. And let's say somebody assesses that they're missing one of those elements, time, talent, or treasure. Would you recommend that they wrap up their business or another action? What what would be your advice to them? Well, you know, it's just like, you know, buying a stock, you know, buy low, sell high. It's a great thing to, to say, but you have to know when not to hold on too long. You know, sometimes the handwriting is on the wall, like it was for me with my restaurant business. I didn't I didn't hang in any longer than I had to. Yes, I lost a lot of money in, in it, but I would have lost a lot more if I tried to hang on and make it work when it, I knew it was not working. Um, what I did in New York was not easily replicated in Florida because the climate was not climate temperature wise, but the economics and the culture was different um, than I was used to. And I didn't do my homework properly. And so for that reason, I, I, I overspent in the building and everything else. I put too much treasure into it, not enough time to research the market. Uh, but if you get to a point that, you know, you think that you're at a, one of these pivot points where you have to make a decision, do I continue? Do I pivot? Do I engage somebody else who perhaps has the talent that I don't have? Because sometimes you reach a point where you realize what you need. Sometimes it's a partner. Sometimes it's an investor. Sometimes it's an employee. Um, you know, I've been listening lately, Craig, to a lot of Jimmy Buffett since he passed away recently. Um, and I, I don't know that as an entrepreneur, um, any better or any more noteworthy than he was to build the empire he did with a guy that really could only play so-so guitar and, and just, he, but he found a niche and he created this entire empire of Margaritaville around him where he has now hotels and he doesn't have now, but his legacy is all the hotels and retail shops and all the, all the trinkets and everything else he's made as well as wonderful music that makes people feel good. Uh, but he created a whole cult around him as well as a financial empire. And so uh, the reason I bring this up is because the question you ask, questions that everybody should ask, you know, what does it take to really be in a business and to be a good leader um, or to have a good business? And, and he, he said something in one of the interviews um, I heard him give. Um, which which I just loved. And he said, any successful business needs to be 10% talent. It needs to be 20% luck. It needs to be 30% hard work and effort and 40% passion. And you put all those things together and you got a shot. Um, and uh, and I, I totally agree with every one of those percentages that you know all the talent you have is one thing. It's one of those elements that you need, but you know you have to find something that that that's a solution to a problem. You could be passionate about it. You can engage the right people to work with you and they all want to work as hard as you do. Um, and then there's a certain element of luck that you're doing it all at the right time with the right people. That's it's uh, an interesting formula. Thanks for sharing that. Well, Paul, this has been a really interesting discussion. Um, so you work for the, you know, your business is the wall printer at the wallprinter.com. Uh, how can people reach you uh, if they want to reach out to you? Yeah, I'm always happy to connect with people. I always am learning from everybody. Everybody, hopefully some people might learn something from me, but anybody who wants to connect, LinkedIn is the best way to do that. If anybody wants to do a search for Paul Barron, I'm sure you'll find me and uh, feel free to ask for connection. And if you have something you want to talk about, I'm always happy to do this. Um, 
I'm not saying I have a lot of free time, but I do have enough free time to give to people because I can also, as I say, learn from them. And hopefully um, I can be a trusted resource for people who might be on a, a path that may not be mine, but maybe hopefully will be their own. And if they've got questions and they want another sounding board, uh, I enjoy doing that. And uh, if they do want to know anything about my current venture, the wall printer, just go to, as you've mentioned, Craig, thewallprinter.com, spending 15 or 30 seconds on that website and watching a short video will tell you everything there is to know about what I'm doing. And if it's right for you and you want to see that as a business for yourself or somebody else, feel free to connect with us. Thank you very much, Paul. Greg, thank you. Appreciate it. This is Craig Andrews. I want to thank you for listening to the Leaders and Legacies podcast. We're looking for leaders to share how they're making an impact beyond themselves. If that's you, please go to alliesforme.com slash guest and sign up there. If you got something out of this interview, we would love you to share this episode on social media. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone who would be a great guest, tag them on social media and let them know about the show, including the hashtag Leaders and Legacies. I love seeing your posts and suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss anything, please go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to my team. If you want to know more, please go to alliesforme.com or follow me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.